Welcome to Leading the Way, a ministry of Brooklyn Baptist Church in Chesney, South Carolina. Join us each week for practical preaching and foundational truth of God's Word. Here's the pastor of Brooklyn Baptist Church, Clay Collins. Thank you for listening to the broadcast today. Our prayers that the song and sermon will be a help and encouragement to you as you listen. Today on the broadcast, we're going to start with a song by a trio out of our church entitled, One Day I Will. Then we're going to go right to the message, and this message will be from 2 Samuel chapter number 11. We're going to look at the great sin of David and Bathsheba and Uriah the Hittite. And So get your Bibles open, 2 Samuel chapter 11. We're going to do our best to explain why David sinned. We'll look at the different reasons why David was there at home and how this sin come about. So hear the song by the tree out of our church, and then the Word of God preached today on the broadcast. Since the 
All right, 1 Kings chapter 15, the Bible said, beginning in verse 5, Because David did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, turned not aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life. But then there's a comma. Save only in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. Now notice this great, great passage of Scripture. I love this verse here. Some people, when you begin to preach about David, they remember only one or two stories. You have those that only remember the great victory we preached about last Sunday morning of David and Goliath. All they know about David is that he conquered the giant. Then on the flip side, that's you got those uh, people that are pessimists. All they see is the great failure of David. Most people either know the story of David and Goliath or they know of David and Bathsheba. They know one or two stories and probably most of you that have been raised in church and read your Bible, you know both stories. You know the great victories of David, but you also know that the Bible is God's Word. And the Bible doesn't just contain the best days of your life, it also contains the worst days of your life. How do you know that the Bible is true? Because if I wrote it, I would just tell you about how good I am, not about the bad days of my life. If I was writing the Word of God, I would have left out 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12. Told you that everything in my life was the most perfect thing, that I was the best king, that I'd done all these great defeats and all these great victories. I would have left out chapters like 2 Samuel 11 and 12. But God knew that you and I needed to hear from the worst days of some people's life too. Amen. Preacher, what are you saying? What I'm saying is this. The Word of God is the best commentary on the Word of God. And the Word of God says in 1 Kings chapter 15 verse 5 that David did everything that was right except in one matter. That was the matter of Uriah the Hittite. Preacher, what are you saying? Some people only remember David and what he did with Uriah the Hittite. They never remember any of the victories in his life. They never, all they want to focus on is the failure in his life. I'm so glad that our God does not just look at our failures and focus on that and never see the fact of the blood of Jesus Christ or what we've done for his glory. I'm glad my sin is under the blood, amen. But I am going to make a point this morning by way of foundation. There are some things in this life you can lose. Thank God for what I can't lose. I cannot lose my salvation. My salvation is sealed by the Holy Spirit of God under the day of redemption. I'm kept in the hands of the Father. I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. I've been born again. I'm saved. It's eternal. It's forever. I can't lose my salvation. Hallelujah for that. I can't lose the scriptures. Amen. Preacher, what are you saying? His word is forever settled in heaven. You can't lose the Word of God. You might misplace your Bible, but you can't lose the Scripture. The devil, if he wanted to, and let me just stop and say he has tried to do away with the Word of God. The devil has tried to do away with the Scriptures of God's Word, but he can't. It will never be done away with. It is forever settled in heaven. It's been preserved. It's been given to you and I through the King James Bible. We have the Word of God, and there's no way that the devil can do away with that. There's no way the devil can take away your salvation. There's no way that the devil 
can take those things away from you. And I'm going to tell you there are some things that the devil can ruin in your life. One of those is your testimony. The devil can get you to a place like David where you ruin your testimony. Now I want to say this morning, there is none of us that has arrived. There is none of us that has reached a place to think that that will never happen to me. I will never be a casualty to this. I will never be a casualty to that. You are sadly mistaken. In fact, the Bible said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 in verse 12, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. When you get to the place like David to think that you are such a king and such a man after God's own heart that you never will fall, you never will mess up, you are setting yourself up for destruction. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You and I are setting ourselves up when we think that'll never happen to me. That'll never happen to my family. That'll never happen with my children. That'll never happen to my church. That'll never happen to my preacher. That'll never happen to my husband. That'll never happen to my wife. You are setting yourself up for failure. David, what the Bible says, not David himself, the Bible scripture records us that David was a man after God's own heart. He wanted to please God, but he still failed. You know why he failed? Because he was human. You know why he failed? Listen, I, I want to read this to you. I, I, was, I was studying this, and I come across this, and it helped me. I want to read it to you. Listen to me closely. I try not to quote many men, but when it's good, I, I just got to tell you. It said that Adrian Rogers said this. He said, temptation is all around. We don't have to go looking for it. David didn't have to go looking for it. He said, we're not tempted because we're sinful. Jesus was tempted, and he never sinned. We're tempted because we are human. But if handled rightly, temptations can bring us closer to God. Unfortunately, however, we live in a generation where many say whatever is natural is beautiful. Whatever is beautiful must be right. So if it feels good, do it. Does that not sound like our generation? A lot of people live this way, but you know what? That's really only the animal plane. Don't be like the lady who said, I can overcome anything but temptation. Don't give in to it. We're not tempted because we're sinful. We're tempted because we're human. Jesus was tempted, but yet never sinned. He was tempted in all points like as you and I are, yet he's without sin. Temptation will touch all of us. We all will be tempted. We've all faced issues in our life. We all are going to be tempted to the day we're taken out of here. And so don't ever think you've arrived at a place where you never will be tempted. I'm for convictions, I'm for guards, I'm for standards. You can have every conviction, every standard, every guard right and still face temptation. Amen. Here's the thing. You and I need help in this area. Amen. Let's be honest, we need help. The Bible said in the book of James chapter 1, it says this, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust, not someone else's lust, but his own lust and in time. You see, the problem of sin and the problem rests inside of every one of us. We are human. We are flesh. We mess up. The issue of temptation rests in the devil putting something by our way that is enticing and that will produce lust in our heart long away of his own lust and entice then when lust hath conceived it bringeth forth sin and sin when it is finished it bringeth forth death hallelujah preacher what are you saying sin brings about death 
Sin brings about consequences. Sin has a price to pay. You know why sinners are burning in hell today? Because the wages of sin is death. But, thank God, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We've got to the place we want to tell everybody about Jesus, but we don't want to tell them their laws. We don't want to tell them they're wrong. We don't want to tell them they're a sinner. Can I tell you something this morning? Every one of us is a sinner, whether we're saved or not. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But today, let me say this, you're never going to get saved thinking you've never made a mistake. You're never going to get saved thinking you're too good to go to hell. I'm going to tell you this, good old boys go to hell. Sunday morning church members go to hell. Listen, good people go to hell. Presidents go to hell. Uh, Deacons go to hell. Preachers are going to hell. Many of them. Let me tell you this, your position will not get you out of hell, but Jesus Christ will pay your pardon and send it and redeem you. It's a sin problem we're dealing with in this day. It's a sin problem in America. It's a sin problem in Brazil. It's a sin problem in every country. What we're dealing with is a problem of sin. And if we're not careful, we will ruin our testimony and be a casualty to sin. Paul said, my greatest, my greatest fear, said, lest when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul said, after I've told all these churches how to live, after I've witnessed, after I've led people to Christ, after I've tried to be the apostle that God has called me to be, my greatest fear is that I end up a casualty in a cast, in a, in a, in shipwreck and, and be on the side somewhere sitting on a shelf that God has taken his anointing off of because of sin and because I messed up and I made a ruin of my testimony. Paul had a great testimony. Can I stop and say this morning, you've got a great testimony. Say, preacher, God never saved me out of alcohol. That's good. He saved you from it. Preacher, God didn't save me out of the booze. God didn't save me out of the bars. God didn't save me out of this place. God didn't save me from drugs. God didn't save, but he saved you from it. Hallelujah. That's a testimony. Every one of us that has been saved by the grace of God has a testimony. Can I remind you that a testimony is not something you muster up? A testimony is not how dramatized, how emotional it can get. A testimony is bragging about what Jesus has done. And if all you got to say it's Jesus saved me that's a testimony that is worthy of shouting to the rooftop this morning that's right see here's the problem many of us think we don't have a testimony you do amen you have a great testimony listen if your testimony is being saved by the grace of God you've got a testimony someone needs to hear it here's the problem too many have a ruined testimony too many have done things and now nobody wants to hear them nobody wants to listen to them Nobody wants to hear them preach, many preachers. No one wants to hear many preachers preach. No one wants to hear many teachers teach. No one wants to hear many singers sing. No one wants to hear uh, many Sunday school teachers teach. No one wants to hear this one and that one. And, and people go to the workplace and yet they cuss out of one side of their mouth and tell people about Jesus out of the other side. And nobody wants to hear their stories. People live for the flesh all days of the week and then want to invite somebody to church on Sunday. Nobody wants to hear that testimony. It's a ruined testimony. It's a testimony that's not pleasing in the eyes of God. David had a great testimony. But in the line of that wonderful testimony of a man after God's own heart and a man that done everything God wanted him to do, there's a blur on the page. There's a chapter in the Word of God that nobody really wants to talk about. 
There's a chapter in the Word of God in the life of David that no doubt every time David looked back down memory lane, he said, I don't want to think about that. I don't even want to talk about that. What a horrible story. I wish I never done this. I wish I never looked at that. I wish I never would have said that. I wish I never would have done those things. No doubt it was something that haunted David the rest of his life. You say, preacher, I thought it's under the blood. It is, but you still got a memory. And many times your past will haunt you. I want to say this listen it's not worth giving up what God has done for you ruining your testimony like David did 2 Samuel chapter 11 2 Samuel chapter 11 Bible said in verse 1 it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel they destroyed the children of Ammon and besides Rabbah but David tarried still at Jerusalem came to pass in an evening time that David arose from off his bed, walked upon the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. She was bathing. The woman was very beautiful to look upon. I promise you the devil will find something that looks attractive to you put by your way. David sent and inquired after this woman. One said, notice this, Is not this Bathsheba, daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite, David sent messengers and took her. She came into him and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness as she returned into her house. And the woman conceived and sent and told David, said, I am with child. David sent to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah was coming to him, David demanded of him how Joab did and how the people did, how the war prospered. David said to Uriah, Go down to thy house and wash thy feet. Uriah departed out of the king's house. There followed him a mess of meat from the king. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord and went not down to his house. They had told David, saying, Uriah went not down unto his house. David said to Uriah, Camest thou not from thy journey? Why then didst thou not go down unto thy house? Uriah said to David, The ark in Israel and Judah, Abide in tents. My Lord Joab and the servants of my Lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go into my house to eat and to drink and to lie with my wife? As thou livest and as thy soul livest, I will not do this thing. David said to Uriah, tell you here today also and tomorrow, I will let thee depart. So Uriah abode in Jerusalem that day and the morrow when David had called him. He did eat and drink before him, and he made him drunk. And at even he went out to lie on his bed with the servants of his Lord, but went not down to his house. came to pass the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab, sent it by the hand of Uriah, and he wrote in the letter saying, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle, tire ye from him that he may be smitten and die. I'm going to jump down for the sake of context down uh, to verse number 25. Then David said to the master, Thus shalt thou say unto Joab, Let not this thing displease thee, for the sword devoureth one as well as another. Make thy battle more strong against the city, and overthrow it, and encourage thy him. When the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband. When the morning was past, David sent and fetched her to his house, and she became his wife. Bear him a son. Boy, what a sad statement the last line of verse 27 is. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. You know what the Bible's telling us in 1 Kings 15? Exactly what this chapter is about. That is about the great sin of David and Bathsheba, which led from adultery to the murder of the husband Uriah the Hittite. Can I tell you this, every one of us here this morning, I know this is simple. 
you'll never prosper trying to cover your sin. Bible is very clear. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. He that forsaketh and confesseth it, God's going to have mercy on him. You'll never prosper trying to cover your sin. David thought of every idea he could of how he could cover his sin in his own way, but the only way that sin can be covered is with the blood of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you this morning, sin still has consequences. But when I look at this story, I look at David, I look at the great sin, I look at a man after God's own heart, this scripture says, a man that has done everything that God wanted him to do, and he messed up. You know, my mind, I've been praying for about two weeks on God, why? Why did he mess up? We know the story that he messed up. And, I, and, and let me just stop and say this, it don't take long to ask around, you'll find out why, whoever, who else has messed up too. Everybody loves to point and go, oh, you, you know about that preacher, he messed up. You know about that singer, I wouldn't have them to sing. You know what they've done. Oh, you know brother so-and-so, I wouldn't have him teach Sunday school. You know what he done one time? He made a B on a report card. Everybody loves to maximize failures. But I'm not interested in just maximizing David's failure. I want us to look at why he failed. I believe God will show us some things this morning on why he did Number one, I want to say as you look, I believe David had his priorities out of line. I believe he had his priorities off. Look in verse number one. Bible said it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle. What is David? He's a king. Why is he home is the question I have to ask. Why in the world is David a king at the house when kings are supposed to be in battle? Sounds to me like his priorities are out of line. Sounds to me like he's not in the place he's supposed to be. You know why a lot of people end up messed up? They're not where they're supposed to be. They're not in church like they're supposed to be. They're not at home when they should be. Come on now. They're not right with God and in the place spiritually they need to be. There's a lot of things we could say this morning. But David's priorities were not where they need to be. It was a time when kings go forth to battle, but David sent Joab. In other words, I'm not going to do my part, so I'm going to send somebody else to do it for me. Can I tell you this? They can't no other man be the husband you're supposed to be. They can't no other man be the daddy you're supposed to be. They can't no other wife be the wife you're supposed to be. Amen. They can't nobody else do your job. God put David to be king. It was the time that kings go forth to battle and David is sitting at the house. So many times people come to me and they say, Preacher, we need some counseling. Oh, okay. You see it coming before it ever comes because they ain't been where they're supposed to be. They ain't been in church like they need to be. They ain't been giving like they need to be. Amen. Hadn't been living for God like it need to be. They ain't got no Bible time. They ain't got no prayer life. And then they want to come and think the preacher can work a miracle in their life. They don't need counseling. They need an old-fashioned altar to get right with God in. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm talking about priorities. Listen, we got to get our priorities in line. The reason our nation is in a mess is because our priorities are out of line. The reason homes is in a mess is because we've elevated sports. We've elevated, we've elevated our Hollywood stars. We've elevated everything else above God. Amen. We no longer put priority on church. We no longer put priority on giving to the house of God. We no longer put priority on winning souls for Christ. Our priorities are out of line. And then we find ourselves where David is going. I don't know how this happened. 
I'll start with number one. He wasn't supposed to be at home, and he was. His priorities were out of line. Can I tell you something this day? We got an issue with priorities. We got an issue with it. Everybody's for singings, but we don't want preaching. Everybody's for, everybody's for emotionalism, but we don't want true preaching of the Word of God anymore. Our priorities are so out of line. And then we wonder why in the world we end up in the mess we end up with. I'm being honest. I'm preaching from the heart this morning. Preacher, what are you saying? Our priority. David was not supposed to be home. The Bible ends up in verse 1 says, But David tarried still at Jerusalem. That shows me right there by the statement being made. David knew he was supposed to be in Jerusalem. He probably had plans. Uh, excuse me, knew he was supposed to be on the battlefield. And no doubt he had plans to go. But guess what? Things seem to be going fine on the battlefield. They don't need me. Can I stop and say this? You might think everything's going good in your life but that's the exact moment that the devil will put some Jezebel by your way and make you think oh I'm doing pretty good and Judas or Jezebel comes by that is the time when you think I've arrived I don't have to do what I'm supposed to do I'm doing pretty good David looked at all the victories he had won he looked at all the nations he had conquered he looked at the blessings of God on his life and said you know what I think I'll sit down and take the day off priorities are out of line how's your priorities Say, preacher, what do you mean about priorities? Well, I'm not talking about the American dream. You know what the American dream will leave you with? A life wasted. You know, a li- you know what a life wasted is? A life that's spent on self. That's right. You know, a wasted life is a life spent on self. I got to have the most biggest house, the most fanciest vehicles, all the things of this world. Well, you know, one day when you stand before that God they sung about a while ago, and all of us are going to stand before him. You either stand before him at the great white throne judgment or the judgment seat of Christ. Judgment seat of Christ for the saved, the great white throne judges for the lost. You're going to stand before him one day and you're going to give account. But you know, I, I don't think there's going to be any boasting about how big of a house you had. I don't think there's going to be that much boasting about what decorations you put in that house. I don't think it's going to be any boasting about who wore the best looking suit to church. I don't think it's going to be any boasting about who had the greatest pocketbook. I don't think it's going to be any boasting about, you know, who gave the most here and done the most this and, you know, all that was perceived and who posted the most on Facebook every day, who gave the most selfies. No. You know what we're going to give account of? We do for Christ. That's number one priority. Keeping our eyes on Jesus. You know why we don't shout about heaven? We ain't looking for heaven. We're looking for our heaven right here. I know people say it all the time, and I'm not being mean at all. But people's always, well, preacher, you know, I, I, I know I'm saved, but I don't, I'm not looking to go right now. You know why we're not looking to go right now? Let's just be honest. We're doing fine just like we are. We're doing fine. I, I'm not saying, listen, I understand. Listen, there's dying grace. I understand. But most of us, to be honest with you, if we knew right now tonight would be our last night, we'd run out of this building today and go make it right with a lot of people. We'd run to all them people that we don't talk to anymore. We'd run to all them people that we've done wrong. We'd run to all them loved ones that we keep saying we're going to tell them about Jesus one day. But you know what? Thank you for listening to Leading the Way. We would like to invite you to our services at Brooklyn Baptist Church. Our Sunday school is at 9.45 a.m., morning worship at 10.45 a.m., and our evening worship is at 6 p.m. Wednesday night worship is at 7 p.m. 
The church is located at 8449 Paris Bridge Road in Chesney, South Carolina. If you would like to correspond with us, please do so by writing to this address. If you would like more information about our church or to watch one of our services live, please visit our Facebook page, Brooklyn Baptist of Chesney, or our website, brooklynbaptistchurch.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you have a blessed day. Thank you.